and I could see it in my kids. I could see the gender stuff they were coming home from school with and their backpacks, the TV programs, all that stuff. So it had to, whatever we decided to do, had to encompass homes and education and Mm. business. To celebrate International Women's Day, we're going to bring you two podcasts on that theme. Today, we're talking to Kat Wildman, one of the co-founders of the Gender Equality Collective. And then on Tuesday, the other side of International Women's Day, we've got a talk with Cherie Aitchison, who's in charge of diversity, inclusion and equality at PECON. First though, Kat, who's on a mission to close the gender gap. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we share interviews with technology leaders and bring you some news and opinion. Uh, So, welcome to today's podcast. We've got a full house. We've got Amber, we've got Hayley, and we've got Akish. Um, Clearly, spring is in the air and everyone's come out of hibernation. Correct, correct. Wow, that was met with enthusiasm. Have we? Have we? We haven't come out of hibernation yet. Well, okay, fine. I I was just referring to the fact that everyone's on the podcast and it's March now, so it's officially spring, right? Tuesday, though, is International Women's Day. Yes. Was Correct. hoping for more enthusiasm. There we go. All right. Hayley hey, is, is, is acting enthusiastic. Shout out to the here. ladies. I, th- I thought I'd let the women go first. But, uh, <laughs> very, very good. Good good, good, to have, um, good to have a day like that, isn't it? Just to, I guess, help people understand why women are so important in business. Which we and, are. We are. Yeah. Yeah. All walks of life. And yeah, show, show um, sh- shed some light on a bit of diversity, which... Um, yeah, could be used within the workplace and that sort of thing. Well, let's face it, every single day of the year is a different day of something or other, right? Mm. And that's not, this isn't me having a go at International Women's Day at all. It sounds, it sounds quite a negative start, doesn't it? But it's good that it's one of the few days that's really kind of taken off and seems to have cut through and mean a little bit more than just, you know, I mean, for, exa- for example, last week was International Chronic Health Day, mm. which I didn't even realise which given I run a podcast on the side about chronic ill health, like totally passed me by until I saw it on one or two Instagram feeds. But International Women's Day, everyone is aware of, um, which is really good given that, mm. you know, women are sorely misrepresented in in business, in particular in technology. Correct. Indeed, and, I, yeah. and I think it's good. Like there, there already seems to be a lot more traction with organisations and stuff, putting stuff out and, you know, kind of showing what they're going to be pledging to for the year ahead. Um, and I know obviously we as an organization have done a lot of things around our kind of choose to challenge campaign and certain things kind of coming out over the next week or so. But yeah, good man. Has everyone done a choose to challenge photo? Yep. I, I did one I, the other day. Wasn't that cool? I've done a group one, yeah. <laughs> How did you, what, with your family? No, no. that You know that call the other day with like, um, I think Mel was on there and like Bev and some other people. I think Mel oh, took yes. a Yeah, so there's one. So I haven't actually like done one for myself. I was like, how how did how have you done a group one in lockdown? But yes, no, okay. One one virtually on Zoom. Right. Yeah. Vir- that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, virtual group, not a, a get together. Don't worry. Don't you worry about that, Dave. <laughs> well no, I thought you I thought you might have like, you know, come on, mum, dad, sibling. <laughs> get everyone roped in for Harvey Nash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or just just for choose to challenge. It's not a Harvey Nash thing. It's just a a broader thing. Um, Haley's going. What on earth are you lot talking about? Yeah, I actually am. But on another note, let's just brush over that quickly um, <laughs> because I haven't done it. 
Um, no, I, I love that this is International Women's Day because I feel like it kind of accelerates everything as well. It's now going to be a big topic following on from that day. It already has been in the build up to it. And then afterwards, it just carries on, doesn't it? And now all businesses yeah. are thinking, right, what can we do? Um, so if they're not doing anything already or what can they do more? Um, so, yeah, I'm all for it. It's brilliant. Shout out from the rooftops. What can we do on that point? We can have an interview with the Gender Equality Collective. So we'll hand over to Kat. And this is obviously in the lead up to International Women's Day. Then we'll be back with some comments on it and a little bit of tech news and opinion afterwards. Today, I'm joined by Kat Wildman. Uh, Kat, thanks for taking some time to have a quick chat this morning. Thank you for having me. I had to double check the time there. I was like, oh, yes, it is still morning. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> it's so easy to lose track, isn't it, at the minute? Yeah, I did that in Sainsbury's the other day. I get, I get so confused with what day of the month, where, what year it is, what day. I walked in at like half past two and I was like, good morning. And they were like, no, no, just do your shopping, love. <laughs> they probably assume that you're unfortunately furloughed or something or out of work and you just maybe haven't got up. Exactly. Well, I definitely look that way all of the time. This is why I'm glad we're not doing video because I look like <laughs> I've let myself go. But who hasn't? Who hasn't? <laughs> it's so easy to to keep wearing the same clothes day on day. It's, oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, that's not why we're here. Um, we're here because uh, of your work with the Global Equality Collective. And, of course, because we're recording um on what are we it's the 4th of march this will be going out on the 5th and on the 8th of course it is international women's day yay the feast day so first of all um tell us a little bit about the gec the gec i mean i've got the long version and the short version i'm going to give you the elevator pitch version um okay. so the the g the, the gc is a an app which we launched in September and it's mm -hmm. designed, it houses a framework which we wrote for schools and organizations to be able to find and close their diversity, inclusion and gender gaps. And it's also got leadership training built in there as well. Schools and organizations. So, yeah. I mean, what, what you just described there sounds perhaps like it might be slightly more tailored towards organizations, but obviously um, that can't be the case if it's schools as well. Yeah, so we... I've got three kids. And so when I was researching, I was researching closing the gender gap at the organization I was working for at the time. And I was I was going to write a framework for STEM departments or organizations because everybody was just randomly doing uncontrolled experiments. And the only metric they were using to measure the progress was the gender pay gap, which is a wildly uncontrolled lag indicator. And I'm a proper geek when it comes to stuff like that, baselining and measuring um, from having a science background and always working in technology. So I wanted to write this framework, started researching, fell into this vortex of research, traced it all the way back to childhood. And I could see it in my kids. I could see the gender stuff they were coming home from school with and their backpacks, the TV programs, all that stuff. So it had to, whatever we decided to do had to encompass homes and education and mm. business so we just did we did one framework and we flavored it for schools and we flavored it for business and that's what's out there and when we talk about closing the gender gap what what do we really mean so I've got a big talk on this, David. I've got an hour-long talk, <laughs> but I won't give you that one. So gender gaps actually start before children are born. So before we were born, there were already gender gaps. There were expectations. I don't know if your parents had, I don't know if they, our parents had baby showers back in the day. I don't think they did, but. No, mine didn't. No. It, it, 
this is it. If you look at it today, it's it's pink or blue. It's gender reveals. And what does that blue mean? What does the pink mean? And it, those assumptions start in people's minds before the child has even left the body. It's like, oh, it's going to be a boy. We're going to get it this and it's going to be like this. And those assumptions and expectations have already started forming in people's minds. And those assumptions and expectations follow children throughout their lives and send boys and girls on different pathways, totally different pathways mm. where, you know, little girls are given certain clothes that often make it necessary to stay indoors. You know, they're given floor length Elsa dresses and, you know, silly and practical shoes and light colored clothing made of thin material. And the messages they're given is, you know, make things pretty, nurture and play house. And the boys are given the message of lead, fight and attack, you know, play with weaponized toys and go outside and run around and be loud and boisterous. You know, they're being trained throughout their childhoods to go into leadership positions, whereas girls are being trained throughout their childhoods for something totally different. And by the time you get you get into the workplace, there's already five gender gaps, you know, society's expectations and the things that you have internalized and then you get in there then there's a gender pay gap which is the one everyone's focusing on um but yeah there's all sorts of things there's eight there's eight gender gaps david (laughs) one thing that i will say that i think is quite interesting there you you say you know boys are being trained for leadership positions but what you just described is an incredibly arcane view of what leadership is right and actually everything that we're being told now about strong leadership is is almost the opposite of some of those traits. Oh my goodness, yes. It is so funny how childhood and the way we raise our children has not caught up with what people want from leaders in the in the real world, you know, in organizations. It's all about being able to connect with people and being able to sell a great vision and genuinely caring about people and wanting to bring people along with you and wanting to develop people. But the weird thing is that there's an emotional literacy gap with boys when we bring them up. You know, we encourage girls to talk about their feelings and we encourage them to name and, and you know, describe their emotions and, and be, you know, emotionally literate. But we don't encourage that in boys. It's all about, you know, boys don't cry and you come on, be brave and, you know, you're all right, you know, come on, you big, brave boy and whatever. Uh, those those things are not encouraged in boys. Um, and so, yeah, it's bizarre. Like, I yeah. mean, I can't explain it. <laughs> Why do people keep doing it? It is strange because over the last year, I've I've been in and out of hospital for various reasons. And when you get asked to describe if something hurts or how something feels, it's a very alien concept to me. <laughs> and I really struggle with it. It's like, yeah, I guess, maybe, no, really? It's very odd, very odd. Uh, and you kind of realize that, the, that it is kind of, you're being asked to kind of talk about a whole load of stuff that you've never necessarily been asked to talk about. Um, Anyway, that aside, how does the app actually work? So the app works um, well. We did lots of testing and we wrote out this framework and I was giving it to organizations to have a look at as we were testing. And and one of the biggest things, an unexpected thing that came back was that they were reading. When they were just reading the framework, they were going, well, we're doing all this stuff. We're doing it. And, And they were just, you know because it was kind of going in one ear and out the other. So we give it to them in the form of a self-assessment. So it's checkbox answers only. Yes, no, in progress, no evidencing, no uploading of any information because that's totally subject to bias. And I, I know myself when I used to enter awards, I'm talking the best game in the world. I'm like, oh yeah, we're amazing. We're the most diverse and inclusive organization ever because I wanted to win the award. So we eliminate that step. 
It's just yes, no in progress. And when they're, when organizations are doing the self-assessment, you can see them, you know, cogitating. They're going, should we say yes to this or no, no, we're not quite there yet. I'm going to say in progress. And they're really taking their time and answering each one really carefully. And it's starting mm. conversations between the leadership team. So there's a self-assessment. Then there's the employee assessment. So the employee assessment removes the need for any of that evidencing because we just ask the employees whether or not this stuff is happening, whether it's working, whether it's embedded, whether it's well understood and whether it is helping to achieve the diversity, inclusion and equality goals that the organization hope it is. Now, you are one of a of a kind of a, a broader community of groups who are um, providing or talking, you know, providing solutions or talking about this particular issue but you look at the stats and they remain stubbornly steadfastly stuck anywhere between kind of 10 and 15 percent participation of women in technology if we're, if, we're, if we're looking at tech and obviously um the career that you've worked in um what what can that community do as a whole to try and make a difference because so far unfortunately we haven't seen the fruits of the effort and and, and the conversations that people have had yeah i think that we we talked about this yesterday. There are a lot of groups all, you know, seemingly talking all about the same thing. Um, but the, but it's a good thing because the more people are talking about it, the better the better it will be. Like the more likely it is that those messages are going to reach somebody who really needs to hear it. But in terms of what we can all do to get more women into technology, I think it's just more representation. The more we represent all the different roles and all the different ways you can be a woman in technology, you know, I think a lot of people's perceptions are that you are, you must be a coder and you must sit by yourself wearing, you know, an Android t-shirt writing code, which is totally cool. And I wish that I could do that. And I've got little snippets of code that I very much enjoy putting into things. But I think what we can do is outreach. So go to schools and talk to kids and you know meet and convince as many people as possible that there's so many different kinds of roles in technology and if you meet a woman with a cool role get it you know do an interview with her if you have a platform put it on your social media you know get it get it out there and, and elevate as many different women in technology as you can but I think the other thing that we can do is look at how we're bringing up our kids if you've got kids you know if you are bringing up kids don't get your daughter, you know, a pink iPad with like get flowery games. And, you know, oh God, I was checking the app store the other day and the, there was a game called Girly House Cleaning Game. And I'm like, are you for real? Please just make it go away. Um, even I, I just think encourage parent your girls like you parent your boys. You know, if your boys are allowed to be disgusting and gross and loud and noisy and boisterous and play fighting, then let the girls do that as well. Encourage the girls to do that and don't be harsher on one than the other. Just try and pick up on those little messages that they're seeing all around them and interrupt them and say, hang on a minute. That's not true. I suppose there's an element of letting kids be individuals and just be themselves and whatever that might be. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because at the same time, I was I was talking to to an, to an engineer uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she has two daughters. One is going down the route of an, of, of of engineering, but the other is autistic and absolutely nothing to do with science or tech. And you've got to just let that happen. And yet, whenever we talk to to, to people in the industry who you know, like yourself, are, are you know a, a woman working within science and technology? There is that question mark of well, how do you encourage kids to go into the? How do you you go down the STEM route? And I suppose there's got to be that balancing act by recognizing that 
you don't want to push them down a route that they don't want to go down and, and letting them be an individual, but at the same time, finding a way to harness a love of science and technology and encouraging it. Yeah, definitely. And and I would also, I would also challenge that a little bit and say, you know, just because, you know, there's so many creatives in, te- in technology, without the creatives, technology would be nothing. There wouldn't be any True. design, mm. there wouldn't be any user interfaces, there wouldn't be any UX. And UX and design are what has catapulted, you know, the internet into being, you know, something we all rely on so heavily without those user interfaces and without that design and that UX, no one would be able to use it and it would be a a repellent place. Um, So I think, I think she should go into technology personally. (laughs) I really am convinced there is a job for every single different personality type, whatever you like or whatever you don't like. What was your route into tech? Because you, you studied um, psychological sciences physiological yeah physiological, physiological sciences i knew it was yeah. a, i remember from looking at your linkedin that it was one of those p sciences yeah, yeah it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it so how no, did you it kind wasn't of, it how did you switch from that to being in the roles that you were in yeah so um i didn't realize that science and technology were very similar to each other before i actually got into tech um so science for me the reason why it appealed was it was all about experimenting. So you didn't know what was going to happen in this. And sometimes you did and you tried to make it happen and sometimes it didn't work. But most of the time you were just seeing what happened when these two things were mixed together or when this you created this circumstance and, and added a different thing and measured and baselined. Um, and that's exactly what I do. I do product management. So that is exactly what my job is now. So we want to achieve a business goal using these tools, which are digital products, and, and our experiments are based on what the customers do when you do a certain thing and, and what the what the data says and what the figures say. Um, and so it's exactly the same principle. It's just experimenting in a different way. You know, I'm not using chemicals this time or, or you know, body parts of rats. <laughs> Sorry, rats. Um, I'm just using digital products and we're trying to change the data. And, and it's exactly the same thing. So that was my route. Didn't realize it at the time. Um, I just I just looked in the back of the paper for a, a job uh, in Canary Wharf. <laughs> that was the one I happened to get. So look, um, the GEC was, was founded by on the pr- principle of the fact that you you bumped into Nick, your co-founder, and you were too busy working mums and you had the shared experience and you, you you kind of tackled this challenge. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk this year about the fact that, that in particular, busy working mums have been disadvantaged by the pandemic and there's McKinsey reports and so on a, a, around that and how gender g- traditional gender roles, I suppose, have, have almost been re-entrenched by what's having to go on whilst people are homeschooling and cleaning and whatever else. How have you found that this year? How you know within your home? How have you tried to make sure that that's that's not the case? I mean, personally, um, I have always, from the moment I I got into the relationship with my husband, he was well aware that this would not be a 1950s relationship. <laughs> We've had equality forever. Um, I've just simply never picked up an iron. Um, I just didn't like not for. I don't, I don't really see the point in ironing. I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> me, I mean, you're preaching to the choir, David. I don't, I don't buy things that require me to iron exactly. them. Therefore, I don't iron. But he, he does. He has, he has shirts and suits and whatever. I just, yeah. I just don't think that he ever assumed that I would, you know, be that person just because I wasn't. Um, and so I mean, that's the way. That's the way it's always been. And I don't, look, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pry, but it's, it is an interesting one. You know, obviously, where you've got you've got school age kids, right? You've got three kids. 
Yeah, I've got two and a half, five and seven. Right. So so two of them are at school. Um, how have you divided up the, the homeschooling responsibilities? Oh my gosh, I'll tell you what, that was hilarious, especially in the first lockdown, because it was just absolute chaos. Me and my husband both working full time, the kids trying to do homeschooling, the the two and a half year old was 18 months old at the time, and he was just absolutely like beside himself with wanting to join in so much so that he just opened the whole punch and throw this little circles all over the floor. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to hoover that. Um, but we, we just synchronized our calendars. And I, I'm not going to I'm not going to like pretend that we were high-fiving each other and being like oh my gosh this is so much fun it was very stressful and there were moments where he would be stood at the door with three kids like and a laptop while I'm trying to finish up a call and he's like I've got to go on a call now and I'm like okay I'm just finishing off um so it was a juggle but I think the, the thing that made it easy was that everyone in the world was also doing it so the person I'm on the yeah. call with is all also understands and the person he's on a call with also understands so I think that everybody was just really forgiving but yeah I mean it was it was hard there for a minute <laughs> thank goodness for Joe Wicks <laughs> um so look, the, the 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 app launched not too long ago um what are your hopes for it over the course of the next six months let's say yeah we launched in September um our hopes are just to reach as many people as possible. What we really want is to help organisations who don't have the funds or the inclination really to get involved with um, you know, consultants. Um, this is a really accessible way of making a start. And we just really hope that a lot of organisations give it a try. Because the thing is that there's two, there's two problems that we found when we were researching this, uh, when we were speaking to businesses. And the first one was that diversity and inclusion just feels so big that organizations just don't know where to start and I think was it you who described it as trying to eat a really big easter egg and you cut you're trying to bite it and you don't know how that to, was, where that to start that wasn't me but that's a good that that is a good analogy <laughs> it was a great analogy uh, that's what it feels like and they they're so repulsed by the magnitude of diversity and inclusion and what it means for them that they just end up doing the like an easy thing and hoping it goes away or hoping someone else takes care of it. Mm. Um, and the second thing is that there's this feeling in organizations that, you know, on the topic we were just talking about before, all of this stuff has happened outside of their control. You know, it's their upbringing, it's their culture they've grown up in, it's the media, it's all this stuff. You know, organizations had this feeling when we we're researching of, well, what can we really do apart from like just be really supportive? But actually, there's 70 things that are well within your gift to be able to influence as, a, as an employer. And you can make so much difference. It's just narrowing it down to your own situation. And this is what our product does. It gives you that and it gives you that place to start and it gives you that feeling of hopefully calm and control over, you know, a, a pick six or seven things. I'm going to work for a year, really embedding these down to a cultural level and and we'll see what, what happens in the next cycle. So look, it's an app. It's not just available in, in the app store because as you suggested, uh, Android t-shirt, so... Okay, so on. yeah I, I am i am a full full google house always <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like other hyped up apps at the minute that are available only on one platform so that's good um how do people find it just type in the, the, the gec uh into the play store or the app store or is it gender equality collective do you know what it is not an app on the phone so it's this mobile ah. optimized, but it is a web app so when you say app everybody ah. immediately thinks well, I, I made the same mistake 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, it is it is the lexicon now, though, isn't it? An app, you, you say app, you think of mobile device, but actually yep. it's a web app. So you, you can go to app.thegec.org and you can calculate the price for your business. Um, and hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised. And if you're not, send me an email, cat.thegec.org and, and type it in block capitals if you wish. Um, but yes, it, you, can, you can also use it on your mobile phone and app um, and, and iPad, but it's not available in the App Store. Well, I'm glad I asked because if anyone else made the same silly mistake that I just made, now they'll know not to. Uh, <laughs> look, thank you very much for your time, Kat. It's always lovely to speak. Enjoy the rest of your day. Brill, and to you, thanks for having me. Bye. Amber, you described yourself as a bit of a tomboy on another interview the other day. I did. I did. Oh, well remembered, Dave. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah, I'm very much. I'm not, I guess, not as much as I was growing up. Like growing up, I used to play football. I just wore like, football kits all the time like combat trousers I was just yeah I was not like, like your typical kind of girly girl I, combat I know, trousers I know yeah <laughs> that I know I really did some of the looks like I'll have to actually show you photos because some of the looks I had were terrible and I would like yeah it's it's not a good look but um but yeah definitely not your kind of typical in a dress like playing with dolls that sort of kid not at all but you know like like Kat was saying there in the interview, um, right from an early stage, the pink blue thing and gender stereotypes are entrenched in us unwittingly. Like, so it was quite, it's quite refreshing to hear you say that actually that wasn't the case necessarily. And that clearly your mum and dad didn't, or maybe they didn't have any choice. And that was just, you know, you liked football and you liked combat trousers, but it is funny, isn't it? How, how those stereotypes just get so heavily informed even though like my mum and dad are not are not like gender stereotype people at all. But if I think about me and my sister, it was still fairly traditional in terms of the toys and stuff that we had. Yeah. yeah no, I, think I was just I think. But yeah, it's crazy though, isn't it? Like you st- you still see it now with all these like gender reveals and like do, do you know what I mean? It, it, you see the stuff Pink on, or blue. Yeah, pink or blue mm. and you know popping a balloon or one of those streamers and all that sort of stuff. But like, I get it because you've got like tradition on one side and you've got the kind of, you know, what everyone thinks is kind of normal, but then how, how would you do that? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's quite a difficult one. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's quite a stigma almost like to, to kind of get out of and how are you meant to say, Oh yeah, we're having a baby, but you know, we're, we're kind of, I don't know. It's just difficult. gender reveal. Well, yeah, and pink, yeah. ah, it's a boy got you. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know. It's just, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's it's a hard one. It's a real hard one. I think them things will never really change. I think that those ones are less harmful in in terms of like going forward in in organisations and growing up and things like that. I think those things will probably stay. But there are things that are a lot worse that do like kind of differentiate, they, that really drastically differentiate people. But I have to say, I used to wear combats too. <laughs> I was a little bit of a tomboy. See, well, see, Dave, combats yeah. were a thing. I got a combat trousers. I, combat trousers. Are we talking like camouflage? No, tra- I'm like, no. I'm a bit confused about what they are. Well, they're, they're like cargo, like cargo. Yeah, like it used to be like a little bit oh. of like a trend when you were younger, like, and it wasn't like very girly, but what? Like girly, loads of pockets down the side. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying yeah. girly as a bad word, by the way. Um, but I never, like, people even say now, like, um, 
you you dress quite girly or you dress like kind of like edgy or like like tomboyy but I I've, I've always kind of just been a bit in between like I don't really care like I like both looks I don't really define them as anything and mm. if I want to go and wear a flowery dress one day because I like it that's fine and if I want to wear compass <laughs> then I will <laughs> on kick all around Fair you know, this, is, this isn't about as fashion yeah, it isn't about fashion, but I think that there's just things like going back to the point on the pink or blue, like those sort of things. I think, yeah, I feel like they're always going to be there. We're never really going to gonna see that go away. But I feel like what she's mentioning in the podcast about like how, how to in careers and in organisations, that mm. they are the important things and, and in education for kids in school, um, making sure that, that people feel like they've got the opportunity to do anything um, is really important. The leadership point's a really interesting one because, I mean, what? Let's let's be honest. Which which leadership traits does everyone respond to best? Give us some examples. Well, no, throw it out there. Like you know, if someone, I don't know, if, if the kind of the domineering character is not actually what you would typically go. Yeah, my best managers are the ones that kind of are quite authoritative. If anything, they mm-hmm. tend to be quite fractious. Yeah. I, I think it's more about someone that will be in the trenches with you and, you know, it, it kind of not just tells you how to do it, but kind of can show you how to do it as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that, that sort of leadership trait is something that I would respond the best to rather than this is how you do it, go and do it and sort it out mm. as compared to let me show you this is what I would have done. This is what I am currently doing and kind of taking it like that. Which that takes a bit of emotional intelligence, right? And, and, and empathy, which typically are not traits that are associated with guys. Very true. Very true. I loved yeah. that uh, was Dr. Crystal the other day on that, um, the clip with NASA, how she was talking about um, giving people freedom and everything like that. Um, her her way of managing people was brilliant and I don't think that that's necessarily a female or a male trait though I feel feel like it's just I don't know do you know what I mean and would you say those those qualities tra- 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 male? traditionally I'd say they're more female I'm sorry you were gonna say no I, I, I sort of agree with you Hayley I think if you're a good manager and, and you sort of just like he said you're sort of getting down in the trenches and you're listening to people and you're sort of helping people I think, yeah, that comes down to like more the person rather than whether or not the fact that they're like a male or a female. I know what you're saying, obviously, those kind of um, sort of tendencies are more sort of, yeah, sort of listeners are being a bit more compassionate. So sort of we generally attach that to being a female. But uh, yeah, I just think when it comes to sort of management, it's just maybe how you've been taught or what you've sort of learned throughout your career. And that's, I guess, how you apply that to someone else or how you might train or upskill somebody else. So I, yeah, I think it's a tough one because I don't think it necessarily comes down to whether or not you're like a male or a female, really. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think also it adds on to the whole fact of, uh, well, studies and science have shown that, you know, women are, are, are probably better at that, you know, and also mothers are better at that because they've got that maternal kind of aspect whereby, you know, they've kind of raised children, they've been through difficult times, they see them, they, it's all about that kind of approach to let someone express themselves, but obviously still knowing you know how to kind of control your emotions and stuff around them 
you know, having the reins, so to speak, um, of people and, and kind of when to let someone go, when to kind of reel someone back. Do you know what I mean? So I think it, it's it's a lot of science and studies have shown that women are better with that empathy and emotional intelligence. And I think we've seen that in the last few weeks, right? I mean, who is it Goldman Sachs, like the CEO kind of came out, mm. no emotional intelligence, no empathy, all this pandemics, you know, just a, a, a fast basically. And everyone needs to kind of get back into the office and nothing like that. And then the KPMG kind of people, um, you know, the senior managers there that, that obviously got done for, for talking about, um, you know, people and their kind of work-life balances and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's kind of shown that, yeah, women are probably better um, at that, I think. And I'm just kind of, I'm trying to think whilst talking about, you know, kind of female managers that I've had in the past or, or women in leadership. And I'd probably say that they, they do have a bit more emotional intelligence and empathy than some of the men that I've had to report into. It makes you wonder why there are fewer women leaders than there are. Yeah. Um, there we go. That's another question entirely. Um, Ailey, you mentioned going into schools. Do you reckon that would have made a big impact? On you when you were at school, if someone had come in and gone, you know what, you could be in tech, but you could still be creative. A hundred percent. I think that you aren't, especially when I was in school. I mean, like, you, I just think in schools as a whole, you're not shown about the opportunities that there are out there. Um, and yeah, maybe they are a little bit one-sided. I think back, that, like, I mean, this is this isn't even going back that far. This is like ten years ago you wasn't encouraged to do technology you wasn't encouraged to do those things Mm. um and i feel like now Mm. they've got such a great opportunity to do that because there is just Mm. so much out there and like she said there's so much creative um creative aspects to to a lot of the tech as well now um Mm. i just think back back in school i I, we didn't get that we didn't get that option i mean they weren't a bad school or anything like that um but Mm. yeah i think about you guys no, but I also think that the technology landscape wasn't what it is today, okay. right? So mm. so if we think about how many different things there are in technology at this current moment, when I was at school, which wasn't too long ago, like what? I mean, I left school 11 years ago, um, right? But my understanding of IT was the guys that used to have that little cupboard like on the top floor of the sixth form, you know, that just sat in there with servers and stuff. And you'd kind of see him, you'd see him run around and, you know, try fixing projectors and that sort of thing. So if someone said, oh, do you want a job in IT? I'm like, I don't want to be those guys. Yeah. In cupboard. I don't know who they are. Do you know what I mean, right? But then... The janitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They literally had a cupboard. If, if anyone from Windsor Boys School is listening to this, they know exactly what I'm on about. But, like, away from that, you know, there wasn't that education piece on no technology isn't just those guys that's Mm. like a little little part Mm. of it there's so much more and if you go into these massive organizations some of their technical departments outweigh their operations marketing finance teams do you know what i mean just in terms of having the amount of people in so i think the i think where people are at now and if, if if there's young girls especially that are at school now i think yeah, definitely, man. Like we need, we need to show them exactly what can be achieved because I think at that time, you know, it was almost like, well, what are you going to do? You, you're going to do IT and then, you know, kind of fix computers. Like that was basically, you just thought IT was hardware. Um, yeah. 
you know, as compared to like programming or, or software and, and then kind of the, the steps towards things. I mean, Christ, mm-hmm. I left school 18 years ago now. Yeah, and that must have been worse. <laughs> it was basically like, oh, a computer. And school school was a really struggle because they were probably really expensive and we just got taught really badly how to use things like Excel, which is the most mind-numbingly boring thing in the world. At least kids now in, in ICT classes must actually do some interesting stuff. And it's not like this tech is horribly inexpensive like most of them have probably got better tech at home anyway than the school yeah. rather, rather than spend it lessons playing uh, denise lewis septathlon games on uh, the bbc sport website <laughs> is that what you did? That's, that's what i used to do 100 <laughs> percent. that's what we used to do man i'm telling you this space bar and arrow key jumpage my fingers were like this they were mental i was i was sick i was so good at that game <laughs> man man dear me. but uh you know right <laughs> Okay, on that point, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about a new bit of tech that allows you to charge um, using your own body. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. So this is an article that's been sent to me by none other than Sean Warner. Sean. Um, Mr. Mr. Sean Warner, newly appointed Associate Director of Harvey Nash Group. I'd like I didn't to, know he was a fan of the show, but he sent an article nonetheless. So, mm, yeah, there we go. Um, now body heat could power your gadgets. I'll quickly read this out. Self-healing and eco-friendly devices that generate electricity from body heat could power wearable gadgets. So um, the University of Colorado Boulder uh, have used theo, uh, sorry, thermoelectric rather generators which convert heat into electricity. The team embedded a number of these into thin film made from flexible, uh, a flexible polymer called polymine and wired together with liquid gallium indium alloy. Don't know what that is, but there we go. Uh, to create stretchable bands that could be worn on arms, legs, and fingers. And the device costs less than $10 to produce. They tested it uh, a wrist-worn version, rather, with someone sitting and walking. Uh, and the increased body heat during walking generated enough power, 12.5 microwatts, to run small sensors uh, such as heart monitors and motion trackers. Decent. Ooh. That's really good. That is very good. I'm literally just sat here thinking. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at my Apple Watch, right, which is out of battery, and I'm, I can't be bothered to go and take it into the other room and charge. I'm just thinking, if I had that on, and it could just charge using my body heat. That'd be amazing. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I wear my Garmin all the time, and it yeah. is charging once a week. But if it could be if it could be charged through body heat, you'd effectively be charging it every time you went for a run. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It would never. It would never need plugging in. That would be very, very good. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that is good. I'm quite a fan of that. That that needs to be some tech. That and and also when it comes to wearable tech, which is obviously quite big. Um, and some of the main kind of, I guess, downfalls of any, any kind of wearable technology is the whole fact of 
charging times and charging on the go and these sorts of things. I think if it's something like that, then they can afford to obviously charge a bit more premium as well because, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. you're I mean, also doing a bit for the environment from a you know, sustainability perspective. You know? I mean, it says it less. It's co- it costs less than $10 to produce, but they could, unfortunately, consumer society, let's face it, they could stick a massive markup on that and you'd probably, yeah. you'd probably pay for it. Yeah, 100%. Let's face it, it's not going to be 15 quid, is it? <laughs> no. 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 But no. it, it does. It does. It shouldn't really be a huge amount more than whatever they're charging already. But mm. you would pay for it because it's the sustainability angle. Yeah. The new charger for the iPhone. Sorry, going off topic. Right. It's like I think it's like twenty quid for the lead or, or the plug. So I know that must cost about a pound for them to make. Outrageous. Mm. I just know that that's going to be mega money. Don't don't Although, get Dave started on Apple. Bloody hell. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were about to come in with something there like oh mr so android, android and, yeah oh oh right here we go for the for the benefit I of the not... listeners come on <laughs> he's just held up a, a macbook <laughs> i'm not anti-apple i've got i've got an ipad and i've got a macbook pro i just prefer my android phone okay all right fair enough there we go. oh dave i've got an android phone yeah oh dave Dave, why? Don't, don't, I didn't, don't, I didn't don't know this. this. Why? I, okay, maybe this could kick on a while, but why have you got why why not like an Apple phone? You're just not a fan. Oh, but, well, I don't, I don't know what what the most what the newest phone is like by comparison. But when I was renewing my last contract, they just weren't the best phones. And I'm saying that like it's like you have to have an Apple phone. Like I'm accusing you. you yeah, you no, don't, no, you don't. You don't have to have an Apple phone. The battery <laughs> no. life was rubbish. It, it needs to be taught. That's the camera was rubbish. Huh? It needs to be taught in school to have an Apple and not to have an Android. No. The last, the last <laughs> generation, they just weren't as good. Um, certainly, certainly, their cameras weren't as good. And yeah, and I like Google. Uh, there we go. Okay. All That's about all about right. Chrome, Google Docs, in, and that's good because on the MacBook I can use all of that. And the MacBook Brilliant. is MacBook is miles better than a PC. But yeah, well, I'm go. still waiting. I'm still waiting for my one for uh, for work to take our PCs and give us a MacBook. But you know, we shall see. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> waiting a while at least. <laughs> yeah. If 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 anyone from uh, our organisation is listening, yeah, please take this humble request to upgrade <laughs> our PCs because my PC shuts down by itself about five times a day. No worries. Oh yeah, the battery life on these is, is useless. Oh, yeah. but they are and they I, are about six years old. Yeah, and I was very close to chuck it through that window the other day because I was very annoyed, but I haven't. So yeah, we're we're good. We've gone completely off topic. Uh, so let's let's draw a close to the show. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and everyone uh, have a lovely and celebratory International Women's Day. And Haley, do choose the challenge. Consider it done.